Good evening and welcome to tonight's stream. It's been a while since I have live streamed. Um, the last live stream I did was with a mystery guest and that street, I mean, that conversation was six hours and 17 minutes and I had live streamed every day. I did a total of 18 hours of live stream podcasting the, not, I guess not last week, maybe the week before that. I'm not sure. I needed a, a little bit of a break, starting to feel a little burnout, but I wanted to make sure that we did today's show. The The topic is a great topic. Two uh, musicians that I love and, and respect deeply for their uh, incredible contributions to music and rock and roll and punk rock and all this, that, and the other. One of them, it's their, uh, one of which it's their birthday. Uh, Joey Ramone's birthday is today. Happy birthday to Joey Ramone. I think he would be, ooh, how old would Joey Ramone be Be in his 70s? My Lord, be 71, 70, somewhere around there. Don't quote me on that. But uh, a big happy birthday to Joey Ramone. And, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a Stooges fan group on, I'm in a Stooges fan group on Facebook. And somebody posted a really, really nice sort of like, they post all sorts of interesting content in there. And somebody posted a wonderful excerpt from Interview Magazine, March 2002. It was a year after, almost a year after we had lost Joey Ramone. I think Joey, Joey passed away on April 15th, 2001. This is March 2002. So almost a year afterwards, uh, Iggy Pop was fondly remembering Joey Ramone, uh, two guys who, who knew each other. You know, Joey Ramone cites Iggy Pop, Iggy and the Stooges, big influence on the Ramones. In fact, I believe that it was, I believe that it was, uh, that was the one thing that tied the Pistols and the Ramones in common. Um, the, together, you had, you had the Stooges were, were the, a common thread in sort of understanding you know, how these two punk rock giants were connected across the pond or whatever, something like that, something like that. In any case, uh, we are here to say happy birthday to Joey and to read this about Iggy Pop. Now, I'm going to try and do an Iggy Pop. I'm going to try and do an Iggy Pop accent, a Jim Osterberg accent. I don't know if that's going to be possible. I'm sure I'm going to try, though. Uh, the first big impression. No, that's not going to work. It's just not going to work. I can't, I can't do it. Who is this? Hi, Jeff. It's me again. My name is not Jeff. My name is Joe Smith. Okay. I don't, Joe Smith out of New Mexico. Everybody knows that my name is Joe Smith out of New Mexico. That's the bottom line. Um, all right, let's. Let's dive into this. Hold on, let me got to share. We got let's share a picture of Iggy and Joey together posing. This is clearly from it this has to be from 1987, uh right around the time 87 or 88 when Iggy Pop put out the album Instinct which had Steve Jones of the Pistols uh as a writer. And there's Joey there's Joey and Iggy. It's incredible to think Iggy Pop, he has outlived them all, man. He he really is. He's the undefeated 
guys, he's outlived everybody. It's amazing. All right. Anyway, let me read this here. The first big impression Joey Ramone made on me was as a lyricist with early Ramone songs like beat on. I can't read like that. Um, what's up? Jody Ramones in the house. That's right. That is the bottom line. Cause Joe Smith, who is me said, so that's right. My name is Joe Smith for some weird reason. People don't think that's me, but I am Joe Smith. Okay. Let's take this seriously. The first big impression Joey Ramone made on me was as a lyricist with early Ramone songs like beat on the brat and blitzkrieg bop. The lyrics were really fresh and well cut. It reminded me of the way a diamond cutter shapes a stone just right to get the facet to gleam. Joey's songs were really clear with not a wasted word, and they sounded vaguely evil. I love, I love, <laughs> I love um, Iggy Pop's description. You know what's funny? You kind of think of Iggy Pop as like a really like kind of crude dude considering his career with the stooges and just his live antics and whatnot but he is a super intelligent super well-read dude and well-spoken and just has such a grasp of language in in a wonderful way um i, I love that i love the way he said that joey's songs were really clear with not a wasted word and they sounded vaguely evil that was the part I really liked. I thought, wow, who is this guy? I had known about the Ramones because we had a connection through Danny Fields, who had discovered me when he was at Electra and who, and who had a lot to do with putting the Ramones together. So two big things here. One, um, it's kind of interesting. You never really hear Iggy Pop talk about, I don't know, other other, you know, sort of punk giants like himself, but also that like. You know, uh, to hear him just sort of acknowledge, I don't know, I I never hear Iggy Pop talk about Danny Fields. I know Danny Fields used to manage Iggy when he was with the Stooges. I mean, that's what the, that's the other thing, too. It's the amazing thing about Danny Fields. This dude, this dude was the handler for Jim Morrison because he worked at Electra. He was the handler for Jim Morrison. He signed the Stooges. He signed the MC5 and he managed the Ramones. I mean. Talk about having your, you know, <laughs> being entrenched in punk rock history. There, there's no other like Danny Fields, truly. What's going on, Lizzie Graves? How are you? Good evening. Welcome to the stream. He's my substitute teacher. What are you taught? What is this guy talking about? I, I don't know. I don't know. In any case, let's let's move on here. Let's move on here. Um, the outright uh, just real quick. So Danny Fields originally wanted the stooges to have the last name stooge so so iggy pop was actually iggy stooge right and then he eventually did do that with the ramones he had the ramones use the last name ramon um i remember when i saw their first album cover around 1976 they all had ripped jeans and little moppy haircuts and i thought oh it's another brood of stooges which makes sense because of the danny fields connection uh but i wasn't but it wasn't really they took on something from, sorry, they took something from there, but they were very queens. Isn't that interesting how, once again, it's taking something that influences you and putting it through a filter of, 
you know, your environment, where you're from, in this case, being from Queens, and then you wind up with something like the Ramones, in addition to trying to sing Beach Boy songs. Soon after that, I went to New York uh, on my way from L.A. to Europe, and I was hanging out with Johnny Thunders and Dee Dee and a couple other guys in the Ramones, and I bumped into Joey. So I uh, don't quote me on this, but I believe that Iggy Pop is the reason that Johnny Thunders got into heroin. You know, um, he did, he got it from from from, you know, uh, uh, sl uh, uh, getting high with uh, Iggy. Uh, big shout out to the Let's Talk live podcast for their uh, contribution, their support. He says, thank you for the interview on my podcast the other night. You were a super fun guest. I'd love to do a follow-up stream in the future. I have so many more unanswered missed questions. We'll definitely, we'll figure something out. We can figure something out, Brian. Thank you so much for the support. Truly appreciated. Uh, go check out Let's Talk Live podcast. Give them a sub uh, subscribe to them if you if you can. If you, uh, if you subscribe to channels. I mean, you should subscribe to channels. You should support all channels. In any case, thank you to Brian. Shout out to him. Um, yeah, so I guess Johnny Thunders, yeah, Johnny Thunders developed his habit from being around Iggy Pop and Iggy Pop was like, you know, his idol. It's like, what do you, you know, your idol wants to shoot up junk. What do you do? You, you know, it's not good. You shouldn't shoot up junk. You should say no to drugs, of course, but you know, uh, peer pressure had Johnny Thunders succumb. I believe that's the story. I need to reread that. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Uh, and of course, Dee Dee Ramone as well. You know, the, here's two guys getting high with with their with a legend that they love, uh, and a couple other guys in the rooms. And I bumped into Joey. We were up at the infamous Ramones Loft, which was around the corner from CBGB's. It was also the first time that I had been to that club. The Ramones Loft was owned and operated by Arturo Vega, the guy who designed the logo for the Ramones. Um. It's really interesting when you visit the place musicians. It's really interesting when you visit the place musicians live because you can usually tell a lot about them. If they're if there's too many flashy clothes on the floor, they're generally only going to last three to four years. And if it's too nice and you see a deco object, it means they're either past their prime or they're more of a recording studio uh, artist. But this place definitely said in it for the long term, it was just a very bare little room. It was a nasty little loft. And you could tell right off that these guys were really doing something. Iggy has such a way with words, really, truly. It was this barely heated, barely habitable, ugly little space, but it had the right posters on the walls and it had the mattresses on the floor. And I thought, yeah, this looks about right. I mean, mind you, What's amazing is, I mean, by this time, when when this is happening, I don't know what the timeline is. I think Iggy Pop first played CBGBs. It had to be somewhere around 76, I would imagine, maybe. He's already been at the rock and roll game for 10 years. Isn't that crazy? Like when these guys are all just starting out, he already had 10 years under the belt, under his belt. Longer, longer. If you want to count his time in... Um, the iguanas and with the prime movers. I mean, Iggy had been, Iggy's been playing music and recording since somewhere, something like 1963 um, contemporary to the Beatles, man. I mean, it's kind of crazy. I mean, the dude has been doing this for eight decades, seven decades, something like that. I mean, it's nuts. It's nuts. He's been doing it for over 60 friggin' years, man. Um, 
I mean, so he knows when you look into someone's apartment, I guess he would know. After that, I would bump into Joey here and there, and he was always a good hang and nice enough, but he had a very sly quality about him, a sly sense of humor. He was always ready with a little sarcasm. He wasn't the Easter Bunny. I remember bumping into him at this nasty little club called the Continental, where just for fun, I played for free a couple of times. Now, the Continental RIP was right on the corner of Third Avenue at the Bowery and St. Mark's. It was on the, I guess if you're going south to Second Avenue and First Avenue, it was on the left-hand side, uh, right next to the McDonald's. The McDonald's would come later. It was right next to the McDonald's across from Ray's Pizza, and it was run by this guy named Trigger. And I didn't go to the Continental in its heyday, but I did get to go in the very last years. They they stopped putting on shows. They just became it just became like a dance sort of place to keep the the doors open. But every once in a while, they would do a little something something. And I saw Murphy's Law with C.J. Ramon doing a, a Ramon set, and he had um, he had Daniel Ray. It was C.J. Ramon and Daniel Ray. The BB Bell band, the BB Bell band was playing, and I'll never forget. That's where I saw Pete Damian Marshall, who also played with Iggy Pop, of course. Uh, Damian from Sam Hain, and that's how I met him. I met him there. I got that's how I got his contact info, and eventually wound up interviewing him. It was at the Continental, at one of these sort of like I don't know what you would call them, resurgent shows, and those eventually went the way of the Dodo. And now the Continental doesn't exist; it was knocked down. Sadly, um, it's such a shame, such a friggin' shame when you when you think about that, you know what I mean? Um, but I guess, you know, through the Ramones and through all that, I mean, he found his way into the New York City. I mean, Iggy. So what happened was Iggy's trajectory, for those who are not aware, uh, after the first incarnation of the Stooges dissolves because of heroin use. Iggy and James Williamson, they go over to England and sign up with Main Man Entertainment. They're being managed by Tony DeFries, who's um, David Bowie's manager. David Bowie has taken Iggy under his wing. Of course, David now is going by Ziggy Stardust, right? Ziggy, Iggy, hello. Um, kind of, you know, David Bowie's kind of like, a, I don't know what you call him. Uh, he's kind of like a vampire like Madonna. But not in a bad way, not with like bad taste. When like David Bowie does it, it's like he he absorbs he absorbs inspiration from people and then like sort of like outputs it in a different kind of way. Um, or you know, maybe more of like in a reinvention sort of way. And David Bowie reinvented himself so many times over the years. Just look at Madonna has reinvented herself so many times over the years. And so you have um you have Iggy, he's hanging out with with David Bowie. They reform the Stooges. Ron Ashton gets demoted to bass player. They bring the, as, as Iggy would write about them on his 1976 solo uh, album debut, The Idiot, he would he would write about the Dum Dum Boys. That's what he, that was his name for the Ashtons. And Ashtons came back over and they became the, the rhythm section for this new reformed lineup of the Stooges known as Iggy and the Stooges. They put out Raw Power, uh, the, that band eventually falls apart completely, probably by about 1975. Iggy wound up super strung out and I believe he went, you know, he got put away in like a psychiatric sort of institution, something, something, uh, what's it called? Uh, what's the word Be institutional? He was institutionalized in some way, shape or form. Uh, and he comes out of that and he winds up in New York. No, no, sorry. He winds up 
back. He bounces back. Oh, no, no. I got my history wrong. He eventually consorts with David Bowie in Berlin for the Berlin albums. That's the idiot and lust for life. Then after that, he just sort of, he has a break and he gets institutionalized and then he, he cleans up and all, all around that time, he's also hanging out in New York, sleeping on uh Deborah Harry's floor, hanging out with BB bell all, and hanging out with the Ramones, just hanging out on the New York scene, playing shows at Max's Kansas city. That's when the very famous where he cut himself with the glass and, and, and did his, uh, you know, uh, opened up his chest. I mean, he had done that many times, but he had done that particularly where the blood was spurting out with his heartbeat and he's jumping on the tables at Max's and whatnot, uh, just bringing his wild act to New York. And that's kind of where things were. Sorry, that was a really, really bad chronological overview of that time. But he says, after I would bump into Joey here and there, um, and they would, you know, he was playing shows at CBGB's and the continental. He played for free a couple times trigger who we just mentioned is the continental, the continental owner. The owner of the place was always very hospitable to Joey. I'll always remember him leaning against the wall, saying something to me like, yeah, what were you thinking about when you got those shoes? That kind of thing. What about those shoes, Iggy? But he was a good guy. I actually toured with Joey and the band once. I think it was the early nineties in Scandinavia. And we would trade off nights. I got, uh, I'd go first one night and they go first the other night. They had, they had become pretty darn good by it. They had become pretty darn good live by that time. I also opened up for them once in Argentina. I love Iggy. Iggy has this observation. It's a very well-known observation uh, that, you know, in the States, people don't really know about this, but the Ramones were a phenomenon in Argentina. They were like the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. Crazy. Uh, they headlined a 67,000 seat stadium and sold it out and asked us to come down and open for them. And I said, okay, by that time they had become formidable and ha they had a ferocious live show. This is at, this is post DD, right? DD's left the band. CJ's in the band now. And they're in their, their, their final twilight years of the Ramones. Um, he says it must've been 1996, right? near the end of their time and boy it was really rough i mean i walked out there and out of 67,000 people 57,000 of them were 10 and 12 year old little ramon clones and they all had the t-shirt and they all weighed about 72 pounds and they were all yelling ramones 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 which is how they say the name down there we're going to take a super quick commercial break did you know that we are sponsored by riotstickers.com they print up, they handle all of the sticker needs here uh, on the channel and the Fremis channel. Check this out. You like our stickers? Just go to riotstickers.com. We're running a special promotion with them. If you need stickers, check it out. Use the promo code Fremis and get yourself all set up with some stickers. They also printed this banner behind me. They do everything, man. They do pins. Look at this. We got magnets, um, bottle openers. And right now we're currently running a contest with them. You can get 20 free custom t-shirts with whatever you want on top. If you want a picture of Iggy Pop or Joey Ramone, you can get that done. Just go to ridestickers.com backslash win, W-I-N, to enter. For, it's free entry, okay? It's free entry. So make sure you enter uh, to potentially win. We're going to be doing the drawing on June 1st. That is about 12 days from now so a little less than two weeks we're going to be doing our drawing so make sure to sign up 
link in the description. All the links are in the description or in the chat. Yada, yada, yada. Um, let's play our little 60 second video. Hold the phone right there while we do that. Hi, I'm a guy from riotstickers.com, the merch company known for being the bomb. Do you hate going to work? But like getting paid? Do you hate snow? But want to make sweet, sweet love to a snowman? That was unexpected. All right, what about this? Do you hate paying for stuff, but like having custom t-shirts? You are in luck. We can't help with the snowman thing. That's probably going to take a therapist. But RiotStickers.com is giving you a chance to win a free order of custom shirts. And entering is easier than like making sweet, sweet Get her out of here. All you have to do is simply go to riotstickers.com slash win and enter your name and email address. Riot Stickers will have a random drawing to pick a winner. So head to riotstickers.com slash win for your chance to win free custom shirts. And be sure to check out other custom merch while you're there because it is the bomb. All right, and we are back. Riotstickers.com backslash win. Make sure you do it. That's free shipping within the continental United States, by the way. And speaking of being outside of the continental United States, we have DLW, David Lee Rath, to weigh in here. He's saying Coca-Cola gave away free concert, uh, sorry, free tickets for the Ramones in Argentina, where where, where David resides. Uh, if you collected 10 Coke caps, they underestimated the Ramones' popularity over here. Uh, didn't have enough ticks, tickets, ticks, and all hell broke loose. How about that? Um, yeah, they really were like the Beatles. As a matter of fact, after the Ramones broke up, right after they played their last show, and apparently they did play a couple of secret last shows uh, later on, but that's another story for another day. Um, they were offered a million dollars to play in South America. And it was actually Joey who was just very tired and very worn down and just wanted to rest for once who told the other guys, Hey, I'm not going to go. I don't I'm not going to play. I'm not going to do it. And, um, that started off kind of like, uh, that started a feud between him and Marky. Marky was not, was particularly Marky, I should say was, was not pleased that they missed out on such a big payday. I mean, a million dollar guarantee in 1996, that's big money for a band like the Ramones. I mean, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. Uh, in any case, as we were, as we were reading, uh, Ramones, I love that. That's how they said, that's how they pronounced it down there. According to Iggy pop, uh, it wasn't easy for Joey on the road. They played so long and stood up to so much. I remember Danny Fields telling me once about Joey's inhaler, which he had to use for asthma or something blowing up in his face. At first he had this kind of, uh, stolidity. I'm not familiar with that word. We got to look it up. Let's look it up. That's what we do here. That's what we do here. We look up words to find stolidity. Uh, it's maybe it's a typo. Maybe they mean solidity. I don't know. I don't know what that word is. DLW says Didi lived here for quite a while, for quite a few years too. Yeah, that's right. That's when he met Barbara, his his wife, um, who is now in control of his. Actually. I don't know if she's, I don't know what her deal is. I don't know if she has much of a say. I think it's really between uh, Mickey Lee, uh, Joey's brother, and Linda Ramone, Johnny's widow. I think that's, those are the two sort of big forces. And of course, Marky, I don't think Marky has much of a say. I don't, I don't know. I don't know the truth. I would love to know that. 
the, all that, the ins and outs of that. But I would find it fascinating, truly fascinating. There are lawsuits. I suppose like those could be looked up. I got to, I got to talk to a guy about a thing. Might be able to help us out with that. Actually, uh, in any case, the inhaler blowing up. Yeah, but Joey, Joey also he had pro, you know, he had to maintain his voice, and he would do the thing where he'd take the hot water and put his his um his his a rag over his head to like inhale the steam to clear out and he like burned himself joe joey had a rough time on the road joey also suffered from ocd and we've talked about that before i asked monty melnick monty melnick ramon's tour manager was like the fifth ramon he doesn't like to be called monty ramon and he he you know i we were talking about joey's ocd and like you know it's so weird to think that like there wasn't really a name for it back then like people didn't understand ocd the way they understand it today and so um you know and and johnny thought it was just crazy johnny thought that joey was crazy and and whatnot and there god i forget who was writing that there were stories uh maybe oh we we read about that we it was howie pyro um rest in peace who was talking about you know stalking joey ramon with johnny ramon he was hanging out with johnny ramon johnny wanted to just follow joey around and watch him just as johnny would say quote unquote be a freak but the reality is joey had obsessive compulsive needs like to flick light switches on and off just all sorts of stuff it's got to be hard he he wanted according to monty's book he wanted to take a flight back to the airport uh in europe i think it was germany somewhere because he had to touch something one more time i mean it was really those urges are powerful urges they're very hard to break without you know therapy and medication um it just couldn't have been easy for for joey my heart goes out out to him dlw says dude look up marky ramon's ice cream ad oh i've seen it i have seen it i also have up over here i have a can uh, i have a bottle of marky ramon's pasta sauce drumsticks not included he came he came to my 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 town right down like 10 minutes from here and did a whole demonstration about his pasta sauce, which is when I met him. I met, I interviewed Rocky Ramon a long time ago. Should actually, you know what? Yeah, just thought about something. Just thought about something. In any case, let's let us. That's a good story too. That's a good one. That is a good one. Hmm, that is a good one. All right. Um, where were we in the thing? So he had the inhaler blow up in his face. Um. First, he kind of had this stolidity, but then later it kind of became more sort of a fragility, which had its own theatrical quality. My God, Iggy Pop is such such a way with words, man. He should be a writer, dude. He should be writing stuff, man. He's just so great. He's so great, man. Just the way his descriptive language. So he's saying is first he was kind of like, you know, uh, a sol you know, solid, rough, tough, could handle it. But later he became more fragile. I mean, he had like a foot. He had like a serious foot infection that he had a tour with. There were all sorts of stuff, man. Uh, he looked special. He was physically like, wow. You'd see him and you'd go, check that out. He had kind of a pre-Raphaelite or Renaissance quality face. Only Iggy Pop could speak that way. He had a pre-Raphaelite or Renaissance quality face. It was very aquiline. Uh, the way that the hair fell and everything was night and day uh, from the rest of the Ramones, even though you wouldn't notice it at first because they all dressed in the same uniform. Wow. He says the way the hair fell and everything was night and day from the rest of the Ramones. 
I got the new record, Don't Worry About Me, he made from 1996 to 2001 before he died. Um, that That's what he had worked on and whatnot. And it's really, really good record. The vocals are great with really important lyrics. And of course, he covered Iggy Pop's 1969, which has bass from Jerry Only and drums from Dr. Chud. Um, so he says the vocals are great, which are really with really important lyrics. It's of much better quality than what's being sold as American punk right now. There was a musicality to the Ramones that was never in the pistols. Ultimately, their choice of subject matter was more universal and more long lasting. It's always a quick fix to go for the political theme in a lyric, but Joey avoided that. Instead, he gave us portraits. They were sarcastic or sardonic portraits. But what he was really interested in doing was portraying teen America, youthful America. He made those vocals sound easy, but it takes quite a bit of skill. And that is true, man. And I'll tell you, you know, at the top of the list, we did the 20 greatest punk frontman vocalists of all time. And I got to tell you, man, Joey Ramone, not just up. I mean, not just up there as like a great frontman, but just as a phenomenal singer. And it's true, man. It's true. And then later on, and I we we had uh we had the voice of Doom guys on the two Johns, John of Steel and John of Doom. We were talking about we were talking about like you know Joey's singing and why it changed later on, and was it because of the speed or you know the strain trying to keep up with the tempo? Um, but he's his singing evolved too, and in in a wonderful way. In a wonderful, wonderful way. But, you know, Iggy says he made those vocals sound easy. He really, he really did understand Joey Ramone in this, in this remembrance, but it takes quite a bit of skill. Joey was one of the only ones that was able to make something sound pretty, but still punk. The more commercial ones today all sound a bit whiny or cute. The Ramones avoided that. I remember Joey expressing his anger when neo-punk first became commercial in the U.S. Bands like Green Day and The Offspring. He was very, very angry about it, but I don't think he had a reason to be. Stuff like that isn't cute. Sorry, sorry. it says stuff like stuff that isn't cute just isn't meant to be massively commercial. It's not fit for that particular particular machine but there are other rewards. And I mean, again, you look at these two guys, Iggy Pop and Joy Ramone. And I mean, there, there's so much influence, the amount of influence in the, these two bodies combined on the state of alternative music. It just, I shudder. I cannot, I cannot like, it's, it's hard to put into words how, in, how much of an impact these two had. It really is. I used to live on Tom uh, Tompkins Square Park, and I remember being out one night at dusk walking to buy something at the liquor store and seeing Joey in the twilight walking like a ghost or a wraith through the park. Yeah, so Iggy Pop throughout the 80s, he got married um, to this Asian woman. I forget her name, Suchi, I think her name was, and he, he became very domesticated and throughout the 80s. All the way until the late 90s, he lived in New York. He had that album he put out called Avenue B in 99. 
And then eventually, and then he moved, I think he, I don't know if he moved to LA from there or if he moved to Florida, but currently he resides in Florida. That's when he met Nina, his current partner, who's now wife, uh, a beautiful woman, beautiful, beautiful woman. Um, but yeah, uh, Iggy was, uh, Iggy was, uh, was a Manhattanite for a while, for quite a while. So he's talking about, there was a time where you could just be hanging out in New York and Iggy pop would be walking down the street. And so would Joey Ramone. And you could just bump into these two ginormous legends who are now both in the rock and roll hall of fame. And Iggy remembers, I remember he had this certain hunch to him, but the certain height also, he wasn't dressed in a leather jacket or anything. He was very, very un, unobtrusive. I remember thinking, wow, this guy's a landmark and it's true. And they've, and he's remained so because there's Joey Ramone way right next to where the Ramones is on second Avenue, man. Um, that was a great read. That was tremendous. That's it guys. That that's very short, very, very short night. DLW says we had a weird tribute band called Ramonos, which is Ramones with monkey masks, weird stuff, but they sound pretty cool. Uh, that sounds cool to me. I checked that out. They only play Ramones covers are there. Ramones are they like Ramones core DLW also says Glenn was menacing on stage but Joey didn't have to do too much to impress he held that mic stand like a spear he sure did and he would lean on it he had that he had that stance he'd take the formation Joey would you know he didn't move around the stage he just sort of put one leg in front of the other and you know full speed ahead you know and later in those in the 90s when it was just flanked by cj and and johnny just playing at warp speed marky's holding everything together you know weaving it all together and there's joey just out in front just all power like this powerful quartet just blasting the audience with music so cool so cool and i wish i could have seen it like that in its prime and a part of me kind of wishes that guys like danny ray and Mark Ramone and CJ could just see eye to eye and like, just do something as like a trio, you know, Marky takes out the Blitzkrieg and you just kind of wonder in your head, like that he doesn't get along with CJ who used to be his used to be related to him through marriage. And I don't know what his deals with Danny Ray, but you kind of think like Marky Ramone's Blitzkrieg, like you should call it Blitzkrieg. The three of them should be playing Ramone's songs. There's nobody. The Ramones are all gone now. It's like, so the, the those who are left, you have these, remnants of of the band left you have the second drummer and the second bass player and the ramones producer it was kind of danny ray is like the fifth ramone as well who recently sold johnny's guitar for about a million dollars go check out that video you would imagine like god like these guys should be just like once a year going down to south america and just blowing everybody away they probably could command six figures doing a ramone set i would imagine truly and they they can't they can't get it together drumsticks not included dlw says the ramones was a speeding train in the 90s i think johnny hated it because he couldn't do downstrokes alone uh but they were out to obliterate the rest i mean that in the in the show we just did with the with the with the voice of doom we were talking about like the speed why did they speed up they sped up because they couldn't play harder than the other bands like they they couldn't make their sound harder sounding whatever that means heavier their sound wasn't going to be heavier but nobody nobody could play faster than them and that's how they knew that they could hold their own 
And so, because they were always in competition. They, and that was just, that was Johnny's attitude, right? It was always in competition. The only way we can hold our own is just by playing as fast as humanly possible. And you hear that. You hear that on local live, even though it's not really a live record. But if you listen to bootlegs at that time, somebody mentioned, who said, I think it was John Steele who said, I saw them at that time. They were just super fast. In any case, happy birthday to Joey. That's it. Um, if you are in the Pennsylvania area, make sure to come to the Mahoning drive-in. I'm going to be conducting the Q and A's with Vernon Wells, AKA Wes from the road warrior. That's right. Friggin' Vernon Wells himself. If you are a Mad Max fan, you know who Vernon Wells is. I'm going to be on the stage with him. I'm going to try and record it for you guys. I'll put it on the channel. If I can, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I'm really looking forward to it this weekend. So we'll have, well, this will probably be the only live show. And then we're going to have some rerun clip clip sort of stuff over the weekend. If you haven't checked it out, go check out the, the leaving pizza punk episode. It's up. Everybody seems really stoked about it. I think on June 1st, I will announce who the mystery guest was that I recorded six hours and 17 minutes with. It's going to make all of you very, very happy. You're going to be super stoked about it. What's up, CLW? How are you? I, I'm glad you're a huge Ramones fan. So am I. Um, God, is there anything else I need to say here? Um, check out the Patreon. Uh, a lot of information has already been posted. Like the identity of the mystery guest is already up there. Those guys are going to see, along with the YouTube members, they're going to see a bunch of stuff that is not going to be available on the regular YouTube channel. It will remain exclusive. Um, great way to support the channel is joining the Patreon. I usually don't do this, but I'm going to start doing this from now on. Uh, if you enjoyed tonight's show, please consider buying a cup of coffee. Uh, it helps uh, support the channel. Like, for instance, we just had a really big bill. We re-upped on our Melon Studio because we want to have a nice presentation. Instead of going back to the way things used to be, we're now doing Melon again, and that costs money. And so um, if you enjoy the content here, please considering in supporting the channel. Uh, Rue Morg is in the house. Rue is a ginormous Ramones fan and a wonderful supporter of the channel. Very grateful for him. He says, awesome. Thanks again, Mr. Frums. Good to be safe. Cough cool. I'm not going to be at Robbie's gig on Saturday. I'm going to be in... In uh, Pennsylvania, one of these days, I'm going to get to another one of Robbie's gigs. Um, I've seen Robbie uh, a bunch of times in in a variety of different ways from from time to time. I always love going to his shows. Hope you have a great time at the show. Say hi to Robbie. I actually just texted him to see how he was doing on tour. Um, it's not. I promise you, David uh, DLW. It's not Glenn Danzig, but I promise you, you will shit your diapers and be very very happy with the choice of guests. You're going to be stoked. Okay, enough talk. Let me tell you a little bit about the Patreon. Um, uh, maybe I'll do some some clips. I'll do some small, short stuff from the road like I've done in the past. I'll, I'll try and do something like that. We'll see if, the, if time allows for it. In any case, peace, hair grease, Patreon. Hey, guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. So I've decided to make a Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full-time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it going to be successful? I don't know, but I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal 
is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full time uninterrupted. Why? Because I love to do this. I love creating content. I love making videos. I love shooting films. I love doing podcasts. In case you couldn't tell, I love to talk and I never shut the fuck up. So right now, I've kept the Patreon incredibly simple. There's two tiers, and that may change in the future. The Murdergram is a simple way to extend support for all of the hours and hours of free content on the channel for nothing more than a dollar. 38 cents goes to Patreon. What's a buck 38, eh? It's less than a cup of coffee. But it's a great way that you can show support for very little effort. When you divide that dollar 38 by the hours and hours and hours of time spent listening to this endless drivel of content, the dollar cost average works out. Next up is the YouTube casualty for $6.66. The YouTube casualty is loaded to the gills. Enjoy the archive ad-free as well as ad-free early access to special docu-style podcast videos, music reaction commentaries, and the like a month before they drop on YouTube, loaded with ads, I might add. You're also going to get exclusive content and behind-the-scenes content that is not available on YouTube or anywhere else. So you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just want to thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates that subscribes, that's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents.